Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to another episode of New York Her. I'm your host, Caroline Hendershot. Today, we have another amazing guest on deck. We have the host of Good Morning Football, Jamie Erdahl. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited. We were just talking off camera. I feel like this is a full circle moment. I used to follow you when I was in college, and now you're in New York, so it's perfect. It's like a true dream come true for me. Thank you. That's so kind. I'm so happy to talk with you guys today. I um, I just realized this week is four months on the show, so I feel like I have my sea legs under me and I can start kind of doing more things like this. So happy to chat. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm sure you were have already been up for half the day, given the early call time <laughs> for Good Morning Football. But even still, we're, we're ready to go. So I want to start out with the beginning of your career and how you even knew or discovered that you even wanted to go into sports broadcasting? Um, wow. So, you know, I think hindsight is twenty twenty. I would have loved to have said like when I was a, you know, middle school or high school that I knew that this was even a job or a career opportunity. Frankly, I did not. I think if you went back and talked to teachers that I had mostly like in high school, they, None of them, 10 out of 10, would not be surprised that this is what I'm doing for a living. I very much, um, I, I, you know, struggled academically. I was not a kid that would sit in classrooms well. I had to be up walking around talking to people. I am a true extrovert. I have to be moving in order to retain information. And um, all of this to say that, you know, sideline reporting and hosting and people talking in your ears, like all of this skill set these skill sets just play into who I always was. It just, in a school setting, you know, it never really uh, seemed like I had, you know, I was like on the best path, if you will. Um, All this being said to discover then that, that sports television and broadcasting was something that I could do and, uh, you know, do well. um, I was so thrilled to discover this as an option in my life. Um, I went to a small school in Minnesota for college to play basketball and softball But when I really discovered that like broadcasting was a degree and internships and television were an opportunity, I um, transferred to American University in D.C., which being in Washington, D.C. is just a journalism hub, if you will. You know, it's a little bit more politically journalistically inclined, but I went to a school that allowed me to do a ton of stuff. And it just sports broadcasting always spoke to me. I had an internship in college at ESPN as a producer. broadcast associate producer and I love behind the scenes stuff. And and I'll tell you that when I finished that production internship at ESPN, I told myself if I give myself a year to get an on-air television job, a one that I really love, I will stay trying to do on-air television. If I don't, I want to be a producer. Like I just always loved the production and I never, it wasn't really about being on TV for me. It was like being around sports television. 
the the comment about school is hilarious because I feel like the constant note on my report card too was talks too much in class. Like great student yeah. talks too much in class. And, yeah. and, my and like, our, like our dean, I went to a small private school. Like our dean of students was the football coach, and I would like get stuck in the hallway like talking to him about football, but I was like late to class. But like he was the dean, and so I just was like. You know, it just, they go back. I think they would just shake my head at me now to be like, of course, this is what you're doing. Like, we couldn't get you to sit still. You were talking to everybody. And I was like, well, you know, it paid off eventually. It all, it all works out in the end. It all works out in the end. But that comment that you made about producing and just always loving being involved in the process, when you got your first job with Nesson, I know there was a variety of, A, sports that you were covering, but B, jobs that you were doing. You were hosting, yeah. you were reporting. There was a lot of different work there. Did that factor of loving to be helping in pro production and behind the scenes come into play a lot with that? It did. I, I felt like actually my internship experience doing the production side helped me a lot being on air. Truly in a job at 24, um, I was very green. And, and working in New England and Boston in particular as a market is very intense. It's very cutthroat. The fans will suss you out if you don't know what you're doing. And so I felt like my love for the production side of television, coupled with having played college basketball and just knowing basketball, I really kind of teed myself up, at least to my bosses at the time, like, hey, send me to the Celtics games. Hey, let me do Boston University basketball. Like, I knew that if I could, if you put me in a basketball environment, at least to start my career, I would be fine. I could swim. And that's kind of what, again, got my sea legs under me with, um, I can do this as a job. And then all of a sudden I was at Patriots practice and I was at Red Sox during the World Series. Um, and so it, it definitely had a snowball effect, but I am somebody who firmly believes in like, you have to work, if you're going to work in television, you have to work from the back row to the front. Because if you don't know, like on Good Morning Football, like when things go awry, if a guest cancels, if an element doesn't go, like A, you have to know who to talk to if it's a problem or B, you have to be able to problem solve that as the show is unfolding live. And so I think really good, talented broadcasters like no television inside and out. A hundred percent. I think that's probably the hardest thing about your current role is three hours of live television. I don't think anybody truly understands that until probably you're in the seat doing it. But we're going to come back to that. I want to talk about your stint with stint. It was eight years, eight years plus <laughs> with CBS, because then you go from a very green new reporter at Nesson to then going to CBS and you're doing March Madness, you're covering NFL games, you're covering, you're, you become the lead sideline reporter for SEC. How big of a jump was that not only in your career, but then for you to grow personally? All right. So here's what happened. I was at Nesson and it was a really wonderful two years there, but I, I really realized like, I think I can be good at this. I think there is a part of me that can shine in certain environments and in my second year at Nesson, um, Jenny Dell, who we were at Nesson at the same time, she moved on from the Red Sox job. And I had been there for one year. I filled in for her 50 games. So I had a good understanding of what it meant to have that job. And um, after I played college basketball and college softball. So like I, I baseball, like it, it you comes your quickly, wheelhouse. So. Yeah. So I went to my bosses at Nesson and was like, I really, I want this job. I would like to have the Red Sox job. And they gave it to somebody else. And um, I was doing hockey at the time I was covering the Bruins and 
to me that covering hockey for a year, I learned a lot of lessons. Uh, I learned a lot about hockey. I have a greater appreciation for it now than I ever did before. I think the athletes are some of the most incredible athletes I've ever come across. Mm -hmm. But to me, 82 plus games of hockey, I've never had less confidence in my voice than I ever did covering hockey. And it just, and that's, and I had to become okay with that. Like it's okay to not be like the best at every single sport that you cover. I think you have to work at things and I think you should just write yourself off from doing something, but I just never got there with hockey. And it really was kind of like hurting my heart that like there were other things out there that I know that I would sound more confident in talking about it and doing it and covering it. And hockey just wasn't it for me. Not saying I don't love the sport, really love the Bruins. I had a grand old time traveling all over the country and Canada for that matter, covering hockey, but it just wasn't me. And so when CBS came calling um, to do basketball and to do football, I just was like, yes, this, and all this being said, like Nessin, really, I think the trajectory of my career would have changed if they had given me that Red Sox job, because I just was like, wow, I, I cannot do hockey. This is not sustainable for me. And so when CBS called, I had to go for a lot of reasons. Um, but the fact that I got to cover basketball, it just like really brought me back to kind of like the whole reason why I got into this. Not specifically just because of hockey, but how big of a time do you think like that teaching lesson was for you not necessarily just like okay I don't love hockey but more so what it taught you about yourself so uh that's a really good question I think what it also really taught me again to circle back to like whenever I speak like at college classes and you know especially to young women who want to be on air I say I always pick a, a number that sounds kind of alarming so like 17 percent of what I do or why I'm good at my job is what I do on television. It's a very low number, in my opinion, like 20%, 25%, whatever you want to call it. All that other stuff, why you're good is off camera. It's when the lights are not on. It's being a good person. Do the players and coaches want to talk to you? Like, are, are you a nice person? Are you approachable? Like, are you, you know, because if you are great on TV or great on camera, but you're not a nice person over here, like, you're not, that's not sustainable. And so covering hockey, I very much like took the stance with the guys on that team are just like, I, I would just walk in the locker room and be like, I, I don't know much. Like, can you help me here? Like, what do I even ask you to get a good question on the, to get a good answer on the back end? And so I think entering that form, that format with like humility was very eye opening to me of the relationships that I made, the friendships that I got. Um, the, the players were just very much like, oh, that's fine. Like we will help you. And it just was, and I essentially, I I've always taken that stance, no matter the most random job I did, I covered a horse jumping event once and <laughs> which I know you like would thrive at. And I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Can you help me? And it just was like, it's amazing how far that will take you. Yes. <laughs> um, and so that always, I've just kind of always carried that with me. Like, listen, clearly there are people out here that care about this more than I do, who know it more than I do. And I'm not here to take away from this viewing experience. I want to bolster it. I just don't know how. Help me. <laughs> yeah. I think that that message that you just said about being a good person has actually been one of the most consistent themes with following you in your career because I feel like that's the epitome of who you are because when you got this new job with Good Morning Football, at least from an outside third-party perspective, I feel like that took 
over social media for like at least like a week of people, all of these people just expressing how happy they were for you, how grateful they were to have you joining the squad. What was that like just knowing that that's one of these principles that you stand on, but then like really truly seeing it come to fruition? That was really cool. It was, and this, this is not something that bothered me. I think like the general response was, oh, I didn't even think about her. But like, that's such a good choice. And like, I really, that like, I'm fine with that. That's great. Like, of course, the natural inclination would be like, oh, pick one of the many talented women that are at the network. And for whatever reason, they, they pulled me from back, you know, from NFL to college and then back. And of course, to me, I was convinced that I was supposed to be the person for the job. But it, like the fact that other people saw that, that the connectivity between like everything I've done in my career just really, really felt like this is like the best next job that I could do. This makes so much sense for everything that I've done in my life and the teams I've covered and the jobs that I've had. Like this is so it. It felt so right. Um, it was so incredibly flattering to hear from the people that I did to see the response. And I think the, the most flattering part of that was from people I don't know that well, who had just seen me work or maybe come across once or twice, like that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it wasn't a polarizing pick. It wasn't, you know, it just was like, and that I took a lot of pride in that. Like, yeah, I'm like a, the right person for this job right now, mm -hmm. you know, five years ago, maybe not five years from now, maybe not, but like for what they needed in that chair, um, for three hours a day moving forward, like it, to, for people to say like, that makes so much sense. Like that was. Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Really, really amazing to hear. I think it's even better because I didn't meet you until today, virtually <laughs> even, but from following you and watching your interviews on CBS and even watching Instagram stories where you're doing the Toby toss where you're like throwing food to your dog, Toby. Like it all makes sense for this show. It's like such a perfect fit, but I feel like the biggest challenge for you must've been, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you go from sideline reporting where it's 30 seconds, maybe post-game interviews range to a minute and a half max to then three hours of live TV. How did you do that? Well, I'll say, over the last couple of years, I was starting to get the itch, like to do something, to have more time. Um, and I was starting to kind of inspect like the sports radio landscape, if you will, just like as a supplement. Because mm -hmm. um, that just kind of felt like I would listen to those guys. I was living in Minnesota at the time and I was like, these guys have the time of their lives. They have so much time to talk. Like they just get to blow through commercials and they just like, this, the freedom here is incredible. Um, whereas God forbid you ever like spoke over a snap during, yes. like during a football game, like that's, you know, that is literally the opposite ends of the freedom, you know, editorial perspective that you can get. So, um, I was thrilled to have the three hour, uh, platform, if you will, five days a week that the amount of time never intimidated me. It, it was, uh, in, in fact, it was just very exciting to have that, um, 
what I have actually, it's, it's funny that we're talking today, what I have mostly struggled with, like this week, and I, it was like thinking about why this was, I was having a hard week on the show. It just was like four months in, you know, we're kind of hitting the, we're almost at the midway point of the season. Um, I I have never had to kind of like sharpen that skill set in my, of like, it's my opinion, stand by it mm-hmm. kind of take and the way to live that life. And um, after four months of it, I'm just kind of like, oh, this is real. This is every day. You got to get up there and you're, you're picking your thing and you're putting some numbers behind it. And like, that's your voice and that's your name. And I was talking to some people on the show yesterday about like, this is such a strange parallel, but hang with me. Like Anne Hathaway and Jennifer Lawrence have both had these moments in their careers as actresses mm-hmm. when they're like, we just took a break because we felt like people were sick of me. And so we just kind of stopped making some movies and like, now we're back. But like, we just had this sense. I had this like weird sense this week. Like I was sick of seeing me. Like, I just was like, I'm kind of overhearing my voice. And like the fact that Peter and Kyle can be doing this for six years is like mind boggling to me. I think this is just like, I didn't see this coming is like the hardest part of this job, mm-hmm. but it's very real. Just like, this is a train that doesn't stop on the tracks. There is no option to stop. Thank goodness. We have new football content every week to keep the train rolling. Um, but it's never the amount of time on the show. It's not the highlights. It's not how fast paced it is like getting caught live on camera. Not a problem. It's like the, you, you put your word behind something every day and you want to take pride in it. And people are really attached to it. And that has that's still taking some adjusting to me. Yeah, that's hard because it's it's every single day and it's there is new football content for better or for worse. I think that's hard because it And like creates- inherently, you know, you say something positive about another team and there are certain fan bases that inherently think that you are in- directly insulting their team. Uh-huh. Like just by like and Peter like always Peter Schrager always tries to preach to us like we let's spin it positive. Let's look at it. You know, so I've really tried to hone that craft of like, it's very easy to go here and go negative or nasty or, you know, shred them down. Mm -hmm. But to go here is like a, you really have to focus on the positive. So it's a fun way to look at football. I think it's a much more sustainable way. Um, But there are people who really, really think that you are like directly calling them out. Like you guys suck because this guy is good. It's like, no, no, that's not, (laughs) that's not how this works. But like, it's, you know, you want to like shake logic into some people. Like, no, I promise this guy is just Superman. It's not yeah, anything against right. you. Like, it's okay. <laughs> Was that hard adjusting to the chemistry? Because I feel like it's also just such a personality based show and mm-hmm. not having, I don't think, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a lot of time to build that chemistry before you guys actually hit the ground running with live shows. How was that adjustment made? Because what were to happen, let's say, if you and Peter Schrager were to butt heads all the time, you know what I'm saying? That would make for good TV. I don't know. Um, I think they, I, again, I think they, that was part of the hiring process was like, let's find somebody and Jamie and Jason that like, again, the word sustainable always seems to come up and it applies to a lot of different situations on the show. But like, they had to find people that like, you got to be able to hang with each other 15 hours a week. Um, now, I think there are some things that are done. And I honestly, in hindsight, when it was happening, I was like, are we sure about this? We literally, the, the four of us hung out for like a lunch, mm-hmm. a single lunch before we were live on the air on Monday, July 25th, like a lunch. And so it's like, how did they just do that? And then like throw us to the wolves essentially. But I think it's made for this like great, like snowball effect of like, we're, we are figuring each other out as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, just little things of like Kyle really, this really seems like a Kyle thing where he could go for like five minutes or we get to the bottom of an hour and all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, we have six minutes we have to fill here. And if one of us is like, I'll take one for the team, I got a hot take and you're like, great. Like you're so grateful for this person who's going to like step up. And we just seem to have done that for each other in a lot of different ways. Um, we went to London together for a week. And I think that was really great for our like group chemistry, like nothing else to do. And if we are, we all have kids. None of our kids were there. We just had to hang out. That was really fun. And then we're going to go to Germany next month. So, um, but just generally, like, I really like the guys. It's just like kind of that simple. I've always really liked my broadcast partners that I've worked with. I take a lot of pride in the friendships that I have uh, off the air. And it, like these, this is becoming the same. That's so special. I feel like because obviously it's ideal to have chemistry. It doesn't always happen like that, but when you just mm -hmm. genuinely enjoy the people that you get to spend that much time with, but then talk football with every day, it's like mm -hmm. a true dream come true. Is there any parts, obviously this is so exciting, but are there any parts of sideline reporting that you miss the most that almost maybe surprised you that you didn't think you would miss as much? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Let's say the, the list is longer that I don't miss than what I do miss. Um, but, but I do miss the guys. I miss Brad and Gary, mm -hmm. um, Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson a lot. We're very close. I mean, they were around for both the births of my children and they're, you know, we were really great friends. And um, I, I don't miss the atmospheres yet because CBS just does this incredible job covering the games. And like, I know everybody who's in the production truck still. And I just like, I can almost put myself back there and like watching Jenny Dell full circle, like thrive mm -hmm. on, in that role has been incredible. And I, I really feel at peace about not being there. I, I enjoy watching the games from afar. I think it was eight years of being at, you know, on location check in, ask me that same question in a year, I might be like clamoring to get back, but like fresh off of not doing it, like it feels okay. I feel really proud of what we did. I feel proud of those friendships and I'm really proud of Jenny for doing what she's doing. Well, I'm loving watching you on Good Morning Football. So selfishly, I'm I'm loving this new role for you. So Thank I'm glad you. it's all worked out. But I have two things before we go. Okay. I would be remiss if I did not ask you, I know you're a Minnesota Vikings fan because you grew up Minnesota, born and bred about the New York Jets, five and yes. two, I feel like a bit of a surprise to everyone who mm -hmm. wasn't inside the building and was looking in on from the outside. What have you thought of what you've seen from this team on the field so far? I always do like, I'm, I'm a, okay, like you grew up, like anywhere anybody grew up, like even if I, I'm a, I am a Vikings fan, I guess, but it's like you, I have such attachment to people in my life that care so much about the Vikings. Totally. How about that? Like, to spin it that way where I'm not, I am not going to be like, crying tears if they like lose to the giants let's say like in the nfc championship i'd be like great run like that's great but like i'd feel for the people in my life regardless <laughs> the new york jets okay so like you could pick different times in the off season where you're like god this and then when the season started like this is this is gonna be a tough year like they, they're gonna be able to hang but uh this is gonna be hard and then like zach wilson goes down and you're like are, are you serious? Uh -huh. Like this, this in September, you're like, well, for any inkling that we had, that like they maybe would have finished like third in the division. Like there it goes, because like, that was like that his team chemistry and like chemistry with the receivers and the offensive line. And like, you know, they, he just misses four games or five games where like the chemistry couldn't build, but then it's just like Joe Flacco hung and like Joe Flacco just put you guys in situations where like, 
what like what happened i i like actually like mind-blowing to me i remember doing an, a segment early in september where it was like what do the jets have to do without zach wilson and i just said like survive september mm-hmm. and like then you'll be okay and you've done that and then some i absolutely uh love sauce gardner like unbelievable i hate what happened to Brees hall mm-hmm. i love the trade that you made for james robinson like i just think I love Robert Sala. I know he said on Peter Schrager's podcast that he kind of wishes he hadn't said the thing about the receipts. I love it. I want to keep bringing it up. Um, I love Quinn and Williams. Like it just, I, there's, there's a lot to like about this team. And I'm glad you said the thing about like people not in the building, because I think that's the most important thing is like, regardless of anything anybody says, if it's not in the building that something good could happen, like, that season is so hard to get through. Yep. Uh, Jason McCourty talks often of like his 0-16 year with the Cleveland Browns. Like it was, that was a hard year. Like, and that shaped him as a man um, and as a player. But this team, like you, you can tell you still had people in the building, the players, the young players, like wearing the cheese head at Lambeau. Like, oh my God, like that's just like so blissfully incredible uh, because he just doesn't know. Like he just was enjoying his life. He just beat the Packers. He just beat the quarterback that he like played Madden with. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. Love it. And even Brees Hall doing the Lambo leap. I think that was oh. just. It was just two rookies that really you saw them enjoying the moment for what it, it was. It was like it was like the Justin Fields like sliding in the end zone yes. at the beginning of the season in the rain. Yes. Like it's just wee. Like everything about like what the Jets did at Lambo to me was just like. It was fantastic. It was great to watch. It was great to be there and be a part of. But I think the thing that you said about bringing back up the building, it's it's been so incredible to watch the locker room, especially after there were two losses on the docket for the Jets. And they, in the locker room, every player you talked to was like, that's not us. Like, we have more in the tank. That's not us. And now you're really starting to see it build. And while there's definitely some question marks with the injuries that happened last week, I think it's just such an exciting time for this young team. And selfishly, again, for me, I it's amazing because I get to be yeah. right next to it. So it's even better. Well, you know, we we had we were talking about Aaron Rodgers on the show this morning and the, and the stuff that he has said after their losses, which is like um, – if, if we all come together and if we take ownership and if the players take over and I understood what he was saying, like, and he even said it on the Pat McAfee show, like, I don't mean players usurping the coach's power. What I mean is like the players take ownership of it. Like the jets are actually the, the prime example of what it looks like when the players have taken ownership of like how they want to play and then executing how they want to play. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, and I think that's, such an incredibly amazing thing for them to all be yeah. doing. But before we go, my last question. I can't I can't not ask you this. You played Taylor Swift Midnight Version Bingo on Good Morning Football. I did. There has not been a more impressive thing. Like I don't know what it would be because that was so amazing. It it filled it ticked every box for me. I was like, she slipped in every song name in the three hours. It was seamless. You nobody would have known. It was so perfect, and it was right after the album came out. I was dying watching the show. It was amazing. So I, I had this idea to do this and yeah, the, the album comes out at midnight and then I, my, uh, my three-year-old woke up at like three 30 and then I had looked at Twitter and she had just put out seven more songs. And I was like, God, she's just like a wizard, but, um, <laughs> and Taylor Swift, not my three-year-old. And, um, so I get to the show and I'm listening and I'm listening on the way in and the, 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 out, the names were great. And I, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to do this. 
So I get about eight songs in before I even told the guys because I, I didn't I use I really kind of settled in. And I after the first hour, I was like, I'm trying to do this. I'm eight for 20 so far. And then they were really into it. And the one to me that was the hardest one, a couple of them, high infidelity yep. was really challenging. And so I just looked it up. And then that's how I found the Ario Speedwagon albums. Yep. And like and, 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 and like Kyle's just like 80s music, like aficionado. So high infidelity. And then they have the born on the run was like a single. I just was like, how this is so perfect. And I forget, I think we were talking about Saquon Barkley or something. And I just was like, you know, that album high infidelity and Kyle just looked at me like you are such a little <laughs> like, and I was just like, take it off my list. And then I think I just yelled like something in Paris, like at the end of the show, just to get it in yeah. as cold as Paris. But yeah, it was, uh, that was a fun way to do it, but I wouldn't, I couldn't do that every day, but it was, uh, it was tricky. Snow on the beach. That so one was coming off of that, what's your top three from that album? Okay. Um, I love Lavender Haze. I love how it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, car- okay. What's the one where um, draw a cat eye sharp enough to kill a man? Oh, Is that uh, karma? I, I think that's Vigilante. Uh, Vigilante. Yep. S-H-I-T. Love that. Yep. And then... Um, uh, and then woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's really good. That's a great one. Yeah. I, I mean, they're all great. Can't yeah. can't get enough of her. If she were to more drop seven more. Oh, so good. So good. So good. But Jamie, thank you so, so much. This has been so fun. You're the best. Can't wait to thank keep watching you. you on Good Morning Football. And thank you for all your insights on the Jets and your entire career. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of New York Her with Jamie Erdahl. Make sure you check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will see you soon for another episode of New York Her. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.